wait for tomorrow. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he, gives on, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger, in fact. They will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever comes before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. All who enter me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. You look like a remnant to me. And hello, Bryony. Bryony's back. Hello from Malawi. Nice to see you. Now, this morning, the question before us is, how do we listen to God? How do we listen to God? Listening can be a tricky business. On Friday, I was sat in the dentist's chair for a checkup. And the dentist asked me the standard health questions. You know, you sit down there and they start to ask you, got any problems with your teeth? Are you on any medication? Do you smoke? Standard questions, easy answers. Until we got to the question, do you drink? Not much, I said. Okay, I heard him mumble, a moderate drinker. No, no, I don't drink much at all. I heard him say, that's what we mean by moderate drinker. Well, I said, for instance, I didn't drink any alcohol in April at all. Oh, he said, you don't drink much. That's what I just said. <laughs> Hearing and listening could be two different things. He heard what I said, but he wasn't listening. He didn't understand the words I was saying. Now, we're going to look this morning at John chapter 10. And if it's familiar to you, then that's good. That probably means you were here last October when we looked at this very same passage in our uh, series on the names of God, and we looked at Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. And I spoke then about, about the idea of how God uh, is expressed as the shepherd of Israel in the Old Testament, and how God then set up leaders for his people to shepherd his people, but the leaders he set up failed. And finally, in the prophecy in Ezekiel 34, 23, God declares that he's going to remove all these failed shepherds. And he himself is going to be the shepherd of Israel. And he says this, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. A prophecy looking forward to the coming of Jesus. So here in John chapter 10, we've got that one shepherd, the new shepherd, Jesus, and he's standing there before the failed shepherds of Israel, the Pharisees. And to understand what's happening in John chapter 10, we need to look at the context of chapters 8 and 9. 
And these are a difficult read because the Pharisees are in a total froth about Jesus. He's told them in chapter 8 and verse 44, for instance, that they are children of the devil. And a few verses later, we hear that the Pharisees are plotting to kill Jesus. And then to add insult to injury, on the, on, in chapter 9, on the Sabbath, Jesus then heals a blind man. And they are absolutely enraged. So when we get to John chapter 10 and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, we need to understand that Jesus is talking to a whole group of people who are enraged at him and are plotting to kill him. So why is it that we've got to this stage? Why is it that the Pharisees are not able to listen to Jesus? Why are they not able to recognise God's word? Over the last couple of years, Belinda and I have done a little bit of travelling and last month I was standing on the beach in Tarifa in Spain and that happens to be the most southerly spot in Europe. And it occurred to me that in the last three years I've stood on the most southerly spot of three different continents. That was Europe, the year before we were on uh, Wilson's Promontory in Australia and the year before that we were at Cape Agullis in South Africa. And although these are the most southerly bits of a continental landmass, they also are something else. They are where the great divide of our great seas and oceans occurs. That Straits of Gibraltar is where the Mediterranean and the Atlantic join up. The southern part of Africa is where the Atlantic meets the Indian Ocean, and the southern part of Australia is where the Indian Ocean then meets the Pacific. And when I said that this morning, Malcolm Coles asked me when I was going to Cape Horn. I... But these are great divides of great oceans. And in a sense, with Jesus and the Pharisees, we suddenly see a great divide. Now, this, what I'm going to say doesn't stand up to scrutiny, but I'll say it all the same. I'm going to define the fact that the Pharisees had become religious, but Jesus was spiritual. And my definition of religious is that which happens on the outside. And spiritual is that which happens on the inside. Now, that's not strictly true, but that's how I'm going to look at it this morning. And the Pharisees have become religious but not spiritual. They had all the observation, uh, observations, observances, but they had no relationship with God. If you took away their ritual and their duties, there was nothing left. In fact, they were so unused to hearing the voice of God that when Jesus came and spoke to them, they didn't recognise him as God. They thought they were pleasing God by being pious. But Jesus, in response, says to them, No, you are of the devil. How scary is that? They were doing many of the right things, but had no relationship with God. Their faith was hollow, empty, meaningless. No spirituality, no relationship with God, no personal communion with him. They were neither hearing nor listening to what God was saying. So how do we avoid being religious but not being spiritual? Well, I want to coin the phrase that seems to be the favourite phrase at the moment of our Prime Minister, and that is, let me be very clear. There is huge value in reading the Bible, in praying, in coming to worship, in giving sacrificially. All these practices are to be hugely encouraged but if we don't have a personal one-to-one -one relationship with Jesus, all these are are just observances. 
And Jesus came not to give us ritual and observances, but to give us life and life in all its fullness. And those observances come out of the fullness of that life. Without a relationship with God, it's not as if we're just in a vacuum. We have to hear those harsh words that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees when he says, you are children of the devil. I find those words absolutely shocking. That their father wasn't God, who they thought they were worshipping, but they were worshipping one who Jesus described as a murderer, a deceiver, and a liar. I don't know about you, but there are times when I step back in shock at the enormity of Jesus' language. And this is one occasion. Isn't that rather offensive to them? Being maligned, maybe, or aligned with the devil, a liar, a murderer? But when we actually stop and look at the reality, Jesus came in this passage to be, as he says, the gate, the gate through which all mankind can enter the kingdom of God. And God specifically appointed shepherds to help that process. But what happened? Those shepherds, the Pharisees, they crucified God himself. Children of a murderer, they become murderers themselves. I find that the saddest of ironies, that the ones God had specially chosen are the ones that put him to death. And so despite their piety, when they meet Jesus face to face, they don't recognize him as God. They don't listen to him and they don't worship him. But Jesus says that his sheep have special characteristics which the Pharisees are missing. And this is the characteristic that Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. So if day by day, Sunday by Sunday, we come and we don't listen to God, are we really any different from those Pharisees? Listening to God's voice is how we grow. Now this year in our garden, we've created a new pond. I say we, not much to do with me, but we have created a new pond. And because it's brand new, it's got plants in it, new plants, it's got gravel, it's got rocks. And we wanted some pond life, so we imported some frog spawn from a neighbour's pond, with their permission. And we've now got tadpoles hatched out in our pond. The only problem is because it's a new pond, there's not much for them to eat. So these poor tadpoles, I have to go and feed them every day, much to Belinda's amusement. It's a lovely environment, but if there's nothing to eat, they're going to die. And that's what the voice of God is to us. If we don't feed and listen and hear God's word, then we're not nurtured and we don't grow and we don't have life in all its fullness. And if we don't listen and we don't grow, then we stagnate. And one of the saddest sights for me is to see Christians who stagnate. Someone who once listened to the voice of God and had the, the life of God pulsating through their veins, but now they're stagnant. That living water has stopped flowing. They've lost sight of the purposes of God for them, and they don't listen to God's voice anymore. And what's more, they tend to get caught up in bitterness and criticism, and they sit in services on their, with their spiritual hands in their pockets, disapproving of a lot that goes on. They're resentful of giving their time, their talents, their tithe to God. 
Jesus' word to the Pharisees was harsh and extreme. And his word to them was, snap out of it or you'll be removed. Their choice was either repentance or rebellion. So if we need to listen to the voice of God, how do we listen? There's a story I like which is told of President Franklin Roosevelt, who had to endure long lines of guests coming to the White House, and he had to stand in long receiving lines. And he used to complain that no one really paid any attention to what was said. So one day, during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. And to each person, as they passed down the line and shook his hand, he leant over and murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the guests smiled and responded with phrases like, how marvellous, keep up the good work. We're really proud of you, God bless you, sir. But it wasn't until he got nearly to the end of the line that he came across the ambassador from Bolivia. And here was somebody who actually heard what he said. And the ambassador looked a bit nonplussed and he leaned over and whispered in uh, Roosevelt's ear and he said, I'm sure she had it coming, sir. How do we listen and how well do we listen? Listening to God isn't something that just automatically happens. If you want to go and meet with one of your friends, you have to pick up the phone, make an appointment, stick a date in the diary, arrange where to meet. You make an appointment and if you want to hear God speak, you have to do God the courtesy of giving him your time and your full attention. There used to be a church pastor that I needed to talk to from time to time and I'd ring his house and on more than one occasion his wife answered the phone and when I asked to speak to him, several times she answered back with the same thing and said, no, I'm sorry, you can't speak to him, he's in his study. Now that was nothing to do with him being in his study. That was code for this is his time to meet with God and nothing and no one is going to take priority over that. So it's about making time with God and then be not being distracted. don't know about you, but I get irritated if I'm talking to somebody and their phone goes off and they answer the phone and start talking to somebody else. I find that rude, bad manners. We have to give God our full attention and be quiet before him, which is why Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I am God. So you make the time, you remove the distractions, and what then? How do I listen to God? That's why we have the Bible. Take your Bible. Take a passage of Scripture. And if this isn't your usual practice, go to something that's familiar. Go to the Gospels or maybe the Psalms. And don't try and read too much because the Bible isn't like a novel that you just need to go and read page after page after page. Take a small passage and pray the prayer that Samuel prayed when he said, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then read that passage through several times slowly and ask yourself these questions. What does this passage mean? And what does it mean to me? And when God speaks to you as you sit with your Bible, he usually says one of a number of things to you. It might be that he is about teaching you about something about himself, that he wants to teach you about him. 
or he may want to teach you something about yourself. And it usually involves a bit of an enlightening experience and a new understanding. And as a result, you may find that God is calling you to do something or even to stop doing something. You will feel your heart becomes more aligned with God's heart. Your desires start to reflect more his desires. And increasingly, you will think and act more like Jesus. And maybe without realising it, you have actually been listening to the voice of God speaking to you. Your relationship is strengthened. The Spirit of God is working within you. And you are entering into the life that he came to give you. Life in all its fullness. So will you take time to listen to God? Learn to recognise his voice. Build yourself a relationship with him. So let his life become your life. Life it's all in all its fullness. Just read two of those verses again from chapter 10. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Let's make it our purpose this week to make time to listen to God speaking to us. And if you want to hear more about the shepherding that God provides for us, you can come tonight because at 6.30, Peter will be speaking to us um, from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we are amazed that you want to speak with us at all. Lord, when we look at ourselves, we are at best hopeless and unworthy. And yet you, the eternal God, want to speak to me. Lord, I pray that I will do you the honour and the courtesy of allowing you to do that. Lord, help me to so organise my life that I can spend time listening to you. And Father, as I listen, I pray that you would change my life and my heart and my purpose to better reflect the life of Jesus and his purposes. Lord, I pray that I may follow my shepherd, my saviour, Jesus, the one who died for me. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.